Today's episode of the Hot 4 podcast is brought to you by EcoKeg, the strongest, most versatile and eco-friendly one-way keg on the market today. EcoKegs can be racked just like a cask or counter-pressure filled like any traditional steel keg. Made in the UK using 70% recycled materials and fully recyclable to industrial recyclers, they can be 100% recycled by EcoKeg themselves into new kegs and they also offer free collection for empty EcoKegs. Used extensively across the brewing industry by cast brewers looking to enter the keg market without needing any expensive equipment, as well as macro and micro brewers distributing across the UK and throughout the rest of the world, particularly because they are available not only in Sankey valves, but Grundy, A and D types also. For more information, you can speak directly to Lewis on 01656 725 799 or email info at ecokeg.com or visit their website ecokeg.com. This is Nick Law and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. Grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Well, Hot Forwarders, 50 episodes, can you believe it? I'm not sure I can believe it. When I first came up with the idea of doing a podcast, I don't know what I was thinking um, and, it, and it took me a year to be honest to pluck up the courage to do it because I thought what will people think if I put myself out there my opinions my views sharing my knowledge promoting my business through a podcast like will, will people just tear me down to shreds me like you don't know what you're talking about and actually I felt nothing but love and encouragement from you guys listening i meet so many people through the podcast that have said that they've enjoyed it um that they get a lot out of it that's helped them with their beer businesses um james lever from london beer factory very kindly said uh, nick's insights into the business of brewing its fundamentals and future help shape our approach to the rebrand and distillation of our core range and identity, a crucial voice in the industry, which is a very kind thing to say. Thanks, James. Um, which is amazing, you know, like it's, it's having a positive impact. I mean, their cans look great. You know, I've seen them in Tesco and stuff and they look really unique. Um, so it's, it's really nice to think that this podcast is creating some positive energy out there. And I've got to work with some great people through projects, uh, basically through this podcast. It's, it's been great. So for the 50th episode of the show, um, I want to do something a little different. Uh, Recently, me and Paddy from the Sheffield Brewery Company, I've known Paddy a long time, uh, we ventured over to New Mills in the Peak District uh, to Torside Brewing, who were putting on Smokefest. So Smokefest is a beer festival just with smoked beers. I love a smoked beer. I remember having a beer from Thornbridge called Bamberg, which was like drinking a smoked sausage. It was, I think it was, no, it's not the first smoked beer I had. You'll find out about the first smoked beer I had in the episode. It was one of the first, it was the first smoked beer I had that I liked. And 
it's a little bit different this episode. It's it's fun. Uh, it's mostly me and Paddy chewing the fat, talking about the beers we're drinking and about the industry as a whole and on our views on it. Uh, but we also caught up with Peter from Tourside, um, who's one of the owners of the brewery, um, asking about smoked beers and putting on a beer festival. I mean, what a great festival it was. It was amazing. Until five o'clock for me personally, after I'd had two bottles of Dogs of War. I think Battle Pug was one of them. I can't remember the other one. It all went a little bit downhill quite fast. It wasn't great. I wasn't in a, I wasn't in a great shape, but the beer festival was great. Come on, we've all been there, haven't we? Everyone listening to this has been there. I don't feel proud of myself. I didn't puke, which is good, but we've 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 all been there, probably some more than others. Um but yeah, just wanted to say massive thank you for for staying tuned for a year uh 50 episodes and and just a warm welcome to our newer listeners loads of great episodes to to go back and listen to and yeah i hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as me and paddy enjoyed putting it together if you like the podcast please leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play and all the other podcasting platforms. It helps us uh, get more noticed and more people like yourself can get into the podcast. Uh, follow us on social media at Hot4Beers. Check out the website uh, to see how you can get ahead in your beer business, uh, hotforward.beer. So on to today's 50th episode um, at Smokefest 2019. Cheers, old chap. Cheers. Crossed. <laughs> there you go. Slancher. Um, Mate, 50, 50 episodes. That's one more than 49, isn't it? Yes, That's but one less than 51. One less than 51, which is quite impressive, considering that it's two less than 52. There you go. So, why don't you tell us where we are, Paddy? Um, we're in an 80s cow shed. It's what we, we decided that it looks like an 80s cow shed um, in New Mills, uh, in the High Peak area. Near Man- Manchester. Near Manchester. Um, I don't actually, I don't know what county we're in at all. I'm a bit disoriented. Greater Manchester? Is that, is that a county? Cheshire? Cheshire? One of those. Somewhere. I think out of the two. That, yeah. We've uh, just well, we're from Yorkshire, for, so like, yeah, we don't yeah. care where Yorkshire, else is Yorkshire. Yorkshire, Yorkshire. <laughs> Every gig I've ever been to. Yeah, there you go. In, in Sheffield. <laughs> um, but no, we walked up from the station, which was lovely. Right up a crazy now. river yeah. near the mill. That was cool. Yeah, the river Goit. G-O-Y-T. There you go. Which sounds like... Glad you can pronounce that. Goit. But your, but your no. beer is pretty low ABV. So yeah, yeah, so. I'm fine, yeah. <laughs> I'm already so like... So yeah, <laughs> we're, in a, we're in an 80s cow shed. We say that because it's got huge concrete things and a tin roof. And uh, we're at the home of... Tour Side Brewing. Tour Side Brewing. For Smokefest. Smokefest 2019. So this is the second year they've done it. The, yeah. the first, in all, this is the second year. Only the second oh, year. You tell me. Yeah, yeah, second yeah. and third, I think. No, no, second. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, last oh, year. Okay. Last year was the first one, so I feel... So everyone's adorned in, like, winter coats. Oh, yeah, it is freezing. It is cold. It's really cold. There's there's smoked cheese, smoked beers. There's smoked everything. Everything They encourage you to bring smoked things to smoke as well. There's a a smoking area. (laughs) So... Why don't you go and smoke some beach chips? Like. Is, is that a smoking area like we're going to smoke something? Oh, or is that like a smoking uh, area yeah, that's that's a I want to see? I feel like I have to ask someone. 
So it's a crucial <laughs> point. <laughs> we will do. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, can you just clarify what type of smoking area that is, please? Cheers. Chin chin. Thank you so much. So what are you drinking? Um, this is um, a st- oh, how do you pronounce it? It's a new style to me, actually. I had um, the lower ABV version. Um, we're getting out of. We are. Can you hear that? Rustling. I have got. Drum roll, please. A Stotlat Elderberry Grodstiski, which is spelled G R O D R Z, sorry, Z I S K I E. Um, which I don't really, really know what that's meant to be, but essentially it's a 2.8 uh, beer, very, very pink with elderberries in, and very smoky on the nose, like almost like a. I don't know my woods. Right. Like a, a tree wood, a tree. like wood from a tree. Wood from a tree. It's like <laughs> it's like the wood from a tree is burning. There you go. Funny enough, it's smoking. I don't. Um, I and don't. it's quite. A, uh, it's not a lot of body, but that's fine. It's quite. It's quite low ABV. It's got a nice little tartness from the elderberries, but like this lovely sort of smoky thing. Nice. I hope throughout the day I, I learned the the chat. That the, I'm the, sure you the, will. The we'll, words. Yeah, we'll go ask the guys so. from Torsai. So I've got the Franconia, which is a Roche beer. Roche beer. 5.6%, so I went in a little heavier than you did. It's okay. But um, both gone cask. It's, I mean, it's got a, it's got that kind of Belgium-y kind of tang okay. to it. It's Love lovely, it. amazing. So this um, swaps, swaps these. Yeah, swaps these. Gone. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is quite. That's quite low. That's quite chill. Right. Oh, that smells nice. There's quite a fruity smell on the end of this, and all actually to start with. So um, it's almost wheat beer smell. I'm getting. Oh, you get a lot of um, yeah that that. Would he smoke Because you get a lot less with that. Mm. See, I was talking about becoming a, an accredited beer sommelier oh, yeah, on, on the, the train yeah. over. I've got a long way to go. You get that smoky you flavor. Know. Yeah, so. Um, <laughs> Excellent. But that's really interesting because they're both smoked beers, but obviously, when the balance of a beer is important, like mm. that, your beer is a lot less. Um, smoke in it but it's a lovely sort of almost wheaty beer type of taste I yeah think. it's got quite a, a, a rounded oh. flavor and it kind of it kind of lingers so it's not it's not like a punch in the yeah. face because well, I, I was saying to you on the way over how my first ever smoked beer was this is way before the taps where, where was this where did so you... we got it we got it in a, a small shop in sheffield called the dram shop all right big um, shout out to, to carl and tony yeah there you go and um this was, oh man, it was like 2009 or something, so there's yeah. no one tapped. We used to have a list in our fridge called Beers We Have Known and Loved, and we'd rate them out of 10. Okay. And um, smoked beer, it was, it was this black beer, it was like drinking fag ash. No. It was horrendous. And so I was like, I'm never going to have a smoked beer ever again. And then, in the course of the same, well, I bought them at the same time, Thornbridge, this is several years later, did two beers. They did um, Otto, which is a, um, a doppelbock, yeah, and that. Bamberg, which was a smoked block. Yeah. Oh my goodness, like the, uh, particularly Bamberg, which is really yeah. smoky, was absolutely incredible. That's funny actually, because I remember those. I, only, I didn't have, no, I had both, but I preferred the Otto. Instead, Ooh. right? They were both they were both smoked, weren't they? In the yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. The, um, the I mean, the Bamberg was like drinking a smoky sausage. You hear me? It was. It was. It was. They just. They actually. What they, they put a sausage in a blender, mate. Oh, they go. That's all they did. They put Shri- a sausage Shri- in a blender. in a blender. Yeah, that's it. And then they just bottled it. I mean, the thing is, it's like I like we thought. I do like Thornbridge beers, but like I just there was this era for me anyway. Like there was this golden era of Thornbridge beers. The golden years. The golden years where <laughs> when they were five hundred mil bottles and they were doing like really amazing versions of like world beer styles, of which those two were mm. two of them. Um, 
And I, I really like it when breweries do that. Yeah, um, I think you do feel like, yeah, it's like any sort of, you know, it's like, it's like a music group, isn't it? It's like a pop, a pop group. Like Coldplay or something, have gone gone through. Sorry, bring them up. It's a bit of a sore point for you because you know you love them, you hate them. Um, oh, they're, they're new. I like their new stuff. Do you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You see, because you went through that time of. Well, I mean, Headful of Dreams is a bit shit. You see, that's the thing. Ghost like, Stories was okay. So it's exactly the same parallel, isn't it? Like they have the albums that are good and the albums that are a bit meh. And it's like when they try and do something new or, or change their vibe. But with some, with some, it's. I guess the, the the metaphor ends with some breweries. They just kind of stick to what they know and yep. stop innovating a little bit. And I don't think Dornbridge have done that. I think what they've done is um, they push in different directions now. I think before they were trying to, you know, be hypercraft. But it's part of their muscle, isn't it, innovation? Yeah, which is just, I think innovating in a different way. But like, I wonder whether you get to a certain level whether it becomes harder to innovate. Because, it, I mean... How we'll do you at, mean? Well, look at Brewdog, for example. Like, you say they don't innovate anymore? Well, I mean, to an extent, but... I just think they innovate differently. I just don't think they innovate in what you and me want them to innovate in, which is beer. I think they, what they innovate in is um, commerce. So if you look at Brewdog, which yeah. is a great example, Brewdog Airlines. Yeah. Like, nobody saw that coming. Nobody particularly wanted it. Um, but anyway, and that's where they're innovating now. So they innovate, they've done the whole guerrilla marketing thing and the whole, like, pay for your own pub type thing. Mm. And they've moved on to other, to hotels to, to move into, and that's where they're innovating. And then I guess it's where your focus shifts as a business rather than just a brewery. Because you shift your focus away from innovating with beer and you, you innovate with commerce and, and with um, your, your, your business as a whole. Mm. So Thornbridge started off just before Brewdog. Yeah. But like what they did is they, they established themselves as a really well known brand nationally. And now what they're doing is they're innovating with uh, their PR. You know, they their their marketing arm is, is strong. Mm. Oh like, yeah, yeah, really totally. strong. And like that, I really I really rate that. Working in the industry, I um I see their tap takeovers and they're really well publicised. Um, whereas breweries can do stuff like that and just kind of forget to tell people about it. And so well, I mean, I think Brewdog personally are um, a very exceptional example of marketeers. Brewdog. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't, you remember Peter that like, used to come into Sheffield Brewery. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and what a guy. It, like, he'd just, he just come in and we were like, for our listeners, he's like a, a, an older guy, he used to work for Guinness, owned his own brewery, bought a plant in the States. He's Amazing a really guy, guy, really great guy. And he'd be all like, oh, bloody Brewdog, just, they're just a bunch of bloody marketeers. <laughs> <laughs> he had no respect for their brewing whatsoever. <laughs> no, like, really. But he was quality, wasn't he? <laughs> He's a great guy. But yeah. no, I, I think that's right. And I think that what I like about coming to places like this, Torside, is that although their marketing is pretty good, I mean, their graphics are fun. Like, I'm looking at their merch around See, us. looking at it now with that chimney, yeah, you get it, it makes sense because we, we walked through the, the river, mills, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's all these like, mills in the river and it makes sense. But and it's a hot cloud as well. Oh, yeah. 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 But, no, but, uh, <laughs> but no, so, like, it, these guys, like, I, I, you get a sense that they haven't tied up their tap room at all <laughs> and I don't really think this is a tap room I think what we're sitting in is what would the be tables. yeah yeah what would be the pallet store probably <laughs> like um, don't be offended to us yeah, 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 we, yeah. we are genuinely enjoying this yeah we're loving it because <laughs> what the, fo- the focus is on the, on the vessels and the, and the beer you know so for, for hop heads and for craft craft nut jobs like ourselves like this is 
actually where you want to be in a cold cow shed on the outskirts of New Hills. <laughs> I was about to say, where's the brewery? Then I and turned around a bit. All there, mate. Wow. All the stainless. But that's, you know, I, I love that. I mean, this is this is like micro brewing and craft brewing. Yeah. In a nutshell, isn't it? Like it's it, it varies yeah. so much. You've got. I was at Kirkstall recently, and like seeing there, like I think it's thirty hectoliter steam powered kit. You know, we're separate like whirlpool and yes, everything. Come me. here and it's all very hands-on and yeah. you know, it's brilliant. I love it. And I think that's why this room is full of people. Yeah. All all you know, giving up their Saturday to come and drink these beers yeah. because of, of, of stuff like this. I think you know, we, we basically had no interaction. At this point we literally just walked in and got our first pint. Barely have any interaction. But already I get a sense that this type of place is all about the art form of brewing. You know, because just just because of the way it's been set out, like they've just cobbled together what stuff to make to make an, an event. Yeah. And for me, that's you know, and we're we're tasting that. These these beers are great. Like I'm enjoying this a lot, and it's my first yeah. brew. You know. So and I mean, I mean the glassware. Look at the glassware. The glassware helps. A lot. Incredible. It's gorgeous. It's like a. How would you describe it? What's it? So imagine a martini glass. <laughs> this is how we're gonna do it. Okay. It's like a Ponce beer glass, buddy. <laughs> imagine a martini glass, yeah, and then like draw like a, a cone, come into a point, and then chop off the point. That's what it's like. There you go. I'll if tell you, you what. If you, okay, I'm gonna make it easy for our listeners. No, 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 no. I'm, no, gonna, no, 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 I'm taking a photo. Right. Okay. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna shake. I'm gonna point so, the martini no, you glass. Can, bit. You get in the photo, okay, mate. It's like, so that's the martini glass bit, and then it goes up to the top there. So beautiful. Answers, answers on the back of a, of a napkin, please. If you answers draw a napkin. picture of, of this glass with, from my description, you win, a, you win, you win, you, some, um, you win some free merch. You win a free beer oh, from Shipper Brew Company. Oh. <laughs> That's getting cut. That's getting cut. Yeah. What you do win, however, is an hour of my time on the phone. I'll just talk to you for an hour. You'll love that. Nick loves it. He loves talking to me for hours. Well, I give my time free on a podcast every week. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. So you know, I'll, I'll happily do another episode with you. You know, usually I charge. Every 50, mate, yeah. every 50. Every 100, mate, we've got to go to like... Um, no, 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 because I, what, what episode was I on? We went to Dark City. We went City. to Dark City, didn't we? So that was, that was episode like episode four. No, it wasn't. It was, Was it really that yeah, early? episode four, yeah. God, time flies, eh? Yeah. Hold on, why wasn't I on episode one? That's the more important thing. If I, like, I, I've suddenly realised that you did an episode without me. Your maths and shit, mate, so three episodes without you. <laughs> That's never making it to the podcast. No, it is. That's excellent. That's going good. No, like seriously though, like this. Already, I'm really surprised. I wasn't expecting to have a beer that's this relaxed. I know this is a nice vibe, isn't it? Yeah. I was expecting it to be like much busier. Obviously, it'll it'll get a bit fuller, but it's not like it's going to be like oh my goodness, there's nowhere to sit or anything. I'm really enjoying this. As an opening pint, this is really nice. Um, The I'm gonna try and say it again. Shall I try again? Stot Lat. S T O L A T. I think I'm gonna spell out a lot of names today. Oh, he wants a pint. Steady arm, steady arm. <laughs> he hasn't had a pint yet, that's why he's upset. I should probably go for something smaller next time. I think you should, you're already falling off your arse. I am, I'll be hammered. Whereas I'm gonna go, I might go Raisins to be fearful. It's a nice beer, that. Okay, sorry, I haven't tried all, all the right. beers in the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, what, just, the, the weird that thing was is. it, it was um, Brew with Wayne, no, uh, Easter Boys and Cigar City. Cigar City? We had, um, did we talk to them once? No, it was Jay Wakefield Brewing who we talked to. They, they, did they do a collab with? Northern Monk. Mm, yes. And Northern Monk. 
That that's an interesting. Okay, point. okay, Northern Paddy. Monk. Right. I kind of feel like we need, <coughs> need another beer for this point. Yeah, we do. Brewing so, with um, Wayne. Yeah. So, um, so Nicholas, second second brewing. Second what beer in. So I've got Yeasty Boys brewing with Wayne. So I had this at the, in the um, old can. In the can. You've got can as well. I had that um, the Brewers Lectures in Nottingham. But this, yeah, this, I've had this before. It's a great, well, it's great cheating, beer. Really, I love it? how Yeasty Boys actually have. Um, Start doing these like one-offs like this, and I've had this before. Is there many collabs or they? Yeah, there are, uh, some of them are collabs. This is with the uh, Cigar City. Yeah. Brewing. Where where are they? Where are they? I know they're America, but so they looks like they came over here, which is cute. That's nice. There you go. So yeah. and talk you, to me. What have you and got? you've got? Well, oh, that's got. that's what I've got. So yeah, it's, yeah, I've it's got, a. Um, hang on. What type of beer is it? Good luck. So it's a smoky sour passion fruit something or other. Maybe mm. I don't know. It's got lemongrass. Kavaka yeast. Cute. So well, that's good. Talk to what was it like? Yeah, what percent it's, is it it's, it's, four, it's only 4.5. Only 4%? 4.5%, 4. sorry. It's, it's quite sour. Okay, funny that. Um, and crisp. Yeah. I'm not getting as much smoke from it as I seem to remember yeah, last time. That's interesting. It, but it's, it's a good bit, it's so nice and refreshing. Yeah, so looking at the back, it's all the all the malts have been smoked. So oat smoked. Wheat malt, wheat malt, beech smoke malt. So basically, it's, I'm guessing 90% of smoke beers comes from smoke malts, right? Yeah, yeah. But having said that, there is currently a smell in this brewery that I have never experienced. It's so nice. It's just the smoking smell. I'm, I, funny that, it's the smoke smell. I'm assuming it's, they said something on their event page about a smoke gun. Well, that, that must be what that is. It looks like a gun and it, and it smells smoky. I mean, but, but this is the thing about smoke beers. I think if you use smoke malt well in your grist bill, and it's not too overwhelming, but obviously it's there, then yeah. you, you get really good results. But like the, the beer that I brew now, Sheffield Brewery Brew at Burning Black, um, which is meant to be a, like, it's, it's a breakfast stout. Yeah. The idea when I, when I made that beer and developed a recipe, was that it was meant to be everything you're having your breakfast so it's like you got your cereals you got your milk which yeah. is like your lactose and sugar you got your smoke malt which is meant to be like sausages it's got coffee in it so yeah. Fraser's coffee roasters what a guy. around the corner he's great isn't he um he, he supplied the coffee and that i mean that beer's won it came it was a silver in the seba uh, small pack and keg um beer x yeah National and, then it, and it won its category didn't it so it was um yeah, it won gold in the dark beers above five percent category package. So you know, I mean, we use. Well, I say we. I don't work for Sheffield well, Brewery anymore. But used to. Yeah. Um, we then used. We then we and we still <laughs> use vitamin uh, smoke malt. Yeah. But it's, it makes up a good percentage of the grist, and it's yeah. you know, Mark's done a good job with making that beer and taking it on and sure. so keeping was, it I, the I was, flame alive. I was speaking to Mark the other day about how like um, your basically how your recipes um, have led up to the point where we are. So like he was saying that you're, he's not encountered, even working at Thornwood, someone who knows grist as, and how to build a grist bill as well as you. Oh, like, fuck yeah. Because like building, because it's a neglected, it's, I want to, I love multi beer, but I love a really multi bitter or multi mild. <laughs> I mentioned the buzzword there, mild. Um, but like, I love that. and. 
a malty stout is perfect for me. So, and building up a good malt bill to go with that is really important. And it's just like hops in that you have to balance out the, the, the different malts to make a, a full body beer. Um, so, smoked malt is no exception. So, I think the, the thing is like, balanced beer is still my favorite type of beer. Like, it sounds like that's not a category, but it's just the proof of good beer, isn't it? You know, it's when, when beer is brewed well, it tastes whole. It tastes like you're getting the whole experience. So you get like different like waves of flavor, different mouthfeel as the beer as you drink it, you know. And the top of the pipe may end up tasting different than the bottom in a way. Um, because as you get more used to the flavours and the, the, the well, and you lose the carbonation as well. That I mean, that's, that, that's yeah. different. You know. Yeah. But you know, I think it's totally right, Paddy. And yeah, I feel quite humbled about the Gristmill thing. No, I mean, it's, I, it's a huge thing. Like I, I was looking at we brewed um, Crucible Best <laughs> last week, <laughs> which is a huge mash bill for 3.8. Like the the, the the grist in that is ridiculous. People talk about like six six oh six malt stout. That's got seven malts in that, that best bitter. But I think I think this is the thing, and I say this a lot to to people I work with, and, and um, you know, you, you, I guess you use my consultant services. That like a stout's a good example. Mm. The amount of time I've come across brewers that don't put roasted barley or flaked barley yeah. in a stout astounds me. Yeah. Like those from a style point Basic. of view. They are basic. Yeah. That is what defines the style. Yeah, it's got yeah. roasted barley and flake barley. Yeah. So many brewers don't use that. It's just, they just think of like colour and they just have their black malt yeah, or their chocolate malt to get the darkness. Yeah, and you need those two things in the body. To, to, yeah, to make exactly yeah. to make it a stout. Exactly. And I think um, I mean I've always had a sweet tooth, so for me malts and I would literally I I literally pick up the malt and I'll chew on it and I'll taste it. Um, you love doing that. I do, you know, like <laughs> every time I've ever brewed with Nick, you feel like, immediately <laughs> like, nom, 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 nom. try this. So, try like, this. If, the, if, the, if we're adding a whole bag of malt to something that's usually 25 kilos, we're probably adding like 24.98, you know, like yeah, yeah, 20, yeah. 20 grams yeah. just has been me and Nick's mouth. Like, <laughs> well, it's the thing, it's just like by doing that, you get used to things like Caramel Munich 2 from Weimann, where it's it's a uh, caramelized Munich malt. Tastes amazing. It's It's got this crispy, <laughs> chewy quality to it and you get familiar with what that's going to contribute to your beer before yeah. it does and, and by blending all those together you, you get a handle on what your beer is going to taste like no, totally. to an extent and you know I, I've learned this through people like Carl from Crisp for example um, you know he's really what a guy. about malt. I mean he's quality isn't he he's a top lad. and um, it, I think it's so important that Hops don't steal the show, or yeast doesn't steal the show. Yeah. Obviously, yeast is a major contributor yeah, yeah. towards the character of a yeah. beer. But actually, by it's, I'll give you an example because you're, you're drinking raisins to be fearful, which is smoked fruit de Bell from Torside and Abbeydale. Yeah, thanks for it's, stealing yeah. my uh, stealing my chat. It's Sorry, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's seven uh, percent. There you go. And it's like really sort of um, that lovely sort. Of, I say yeast flavour. You get lovely like fermented um, sort of underlying yeast flavour before you get a lovely sort of almost a sourness at the end of going in my mouth and the aftertaste which is lovely and then like the smokiness well I actually really enjoy this the smokiness like works its way through everything like I'm not getting a load of dried fruit I'm going to try a bit again but I guess I'm in that you know that sort of raisiny 
sort of. Uh, it's funny, raisins I always think about the texture rather than the yep. taste, but I am getting raisin from it. Um, I'm assuming they've added raisins, but I don't really know. Um, I think they have. Yeah, here we go. Pops yeast, raisins, apricots, sugar. Sugar. Well. But apricots, I'm getting more of, I think. Sort of that sort of like almost stone fruit taste. But like the, the point I was going to make with this is like if you, because obviously I said to you earlier, we did this um, interview with um, Louis Louis. What a guy. Um, who does all their artwork. Um, there are so many complexities and little things yeah. that you probably wouldn't notice on this can unless you really sat down and looked about at, at it. Um, and it's like that with brewing and, and a grist bill. Like it's like a stout is a good example. It's all about those those little subtleties and complexities yeah. that when you look at that and stare at that from a whole, you're like you can appreciate it. Yeah. Whereas it's, I think if you just wade in with arms oh, from my sauce, a chocolate malt, you know, uh, fried wheat, black malt, black malt in it, boom. Yeah. Like it's going to be quite one-dimensional. Yeah. You know, you, you need like with with a beer like Burning Black, you you, you need the the Caramelic twos, you need the biscuit malt, oh, you, you need all yeah. the different um, varieties, even in just a small measure, just to contribute something yeah. like you know, the small detail on here of um, you know, like the, the eyes or the little flowers or the you know, the name, the name of the dog Ted on there. <laughs> little things like that, you, you wouldn't notice. No, you're right, yeah, unless you look at it, and there'll be a story behind that, yeah, and that's and, the thing, like with 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 a so at the end of the day, Marv do, is the current head brewer at Sheffield Brewery Company. Like that is, he always says to me, the most important hour of your brew day is the mashing. Everything else after that um, is important, obviously, and has to go right. But if you get this wrong, the whole brew day is ruined. Yeah. You may as well start again. And it's not just the physical, how wet the mash is, have I got the the, the mash right, the consistency, but it's also the what you're putting into that mash is what we're talking about now like the grist bill like I, I added into crucible rest i think like something like two kilos of a certain type of malt which people would be like oh it's not gonna make a difference but it does because the way the enzymes break down that that type of grist at our mash tank will be different um, to the way it breaks down uh, a different type of malt so you get different proteins being left you get different sugars being left and the long chain sugars are uh, the things that give you the body because the yeast can't eat them, you know? So it's all about knowing your yeast. It's kind of like preparing a banquet for your yeast, right? Like it's like preparing the, the, the starters and the main course mm. and then the dessert. Like, and then you've got that sort of banquet ready and you know, and you know your yeast inside out. You know what your yeast will enjoy and eat, eat it all up. And that, and together the, the, that will create um, the sugars that you want in the end product. It's almost easier. Dare I say it? Sorry, Dipper. <laughs> sorry, Dipper <laughs> fans out there. It's, craft beer fans, turn, turn off now. <laughs> yeah. UK craft beer forum. <laughs> oh, oh, Paddy's going to go on a witch hunt. On there's Paddy's. a reason why I'm quiet, like on that forum. But like, there's almost <laughs> it's almost easier to make a, a hoppy beer because you don't have to worry so much about what you're putting in in the grist because hear me out can, can you hear me out. sucking my teeth yeah yeah that's fine <laughs> good teeth suck very good thanks um because um you as long as you know your base malts and you've got that down you essentially got a building block that's, that's flat 
and then on top of that building block you've got the the, the, the hot profiles so that you can mix and match so it's almost like you don't you can keep the hot the, the malt the grist bill constant and then build sort of hoppy extras on top but I think this is the thing like this is why I I always refer to Sierra Nevada Pearl Ale here we go as, he loves yeah, it here we go big fan um, as a, a flagship beer and a beer I go back to again and again because that beer although it's quite old school now it's not all singing or dancing how ridiculous is that that we're saying Sierra Nevada Pearl is old I know, school I know crazy isn't it but the hops and the malt are really well balanced. Mm. Or uh, this is going to be controversial. But you know, a, a beer like Goose Island IPA or, or Brewdog IPA, they're really well balanced. You've, you've got that malt sweetness yeah. balanced with that hoppiness, that bitterness, yeah. and it all just is a, a, a good equilibrium. And this is the thing: like balanced beer is good beer. Like I, there's yet I'm yet to have a balanced beer that I'm not enjoying. And um, I say that about cheese as well. We have to have a cheese that we enjoy, but you know. Uh, we need to go and have some of yeah, this cheese. Yeah, we totally do. But like, I've yet to have a balanced beer that I've not enjoyed. Like, and that literally, even macro lagers are like that. Like, I don't like certain macro lagers because they're not balanced, in my opinion. Mm. And or they're just water. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, there are certain macro lagers I, I actually enjoy because when I drink them, Although it's just like a means to an end in a way, it's it's balanced. Yeah, and absolutely. that's the key. That's absolutely the key with with all beers, regardless of style. It really is, and I think as we said on the train over, it's very easy to get sucked into craft wankery, <laughs> of oh, which me and you are. are, are we, I mean, we're really bad, aren't we? I mean, I mean yes and no. I mean, the, the the example I'm about to talk about. Um, well, we'll come we'll come on to this uh, yeah, issue we'll come in a on minute. to it another time. But like, yes or no? I think like you can you can get you can get so far down the rabbit hole you forget what sunlight looks like, you know. And we've often talked about this before, haven't we? About beer, there are beers you drink and beers you experience. Oh, you love this phrase. I do love this phrase, and I do. I say it all the time now because you've drilled it into. But it's it's true it. though. Like you know, like something. Some these beers are are beers you experience, and I want to try yours, and you can try mine. <laughs> yeah, we haven't done that yet. And, um, <laughs> But then, you know, something like like your T-shirt, Blanco Blonde. Oh, mate. Like, what a brew. You know, that is a beer you drink. Yeah. And it's a great beer, yeah. you know. It's and, and, like, you know, me, me and Marv have moved that beer on to being, like, fruity and citrusy, and it's, and it's, and it's lovely, you know. Or, and the problem is, like, with beers you experience, like, I was reading something, I think it was from, either it was from Matt Curtis or Melissa Cole, one of the two, I can't remember, like, absolutely quality beer writers, like, big respect. I really enjoy reading the articles. But um, one of them, can't remember which one, so correct me if I'm wrong, um, was saying that beer fatigue is now a problem. Yeah. Where you go in a city, particularly London, um, you'll go to a beer event, like a beer launch, or like a tap takeover, you're seeing the same faces there, week in, week out. And, you know, if you go to one a week, like, you're soon going to get tired of that. Everything's going to end up tasting the same. Um, and the magic is lost, you know? And that's beers you experience are beers that should be drunk, like, not once in a blue moon, but this type of beer, if I had it in my, my stock at home, I'd drink it, like, once a month. Whereas, if I have a Blanco Blonde, I know that 90% of the things I eat will pair well with Blanco Blonde. It's a lovely beer, simple, 
lovely malt and then just a lovely bitterness to end. It's a lovely blonde beer. It's, it's to be honest, it's Sheffield in a bottle, like pale and blonde. That's Sheffield, <laughs> like pale blonde <laughs> yeah. and largely on cask. Yeah, like, that's Sheffield. Um, and for me, like I know that I'll be able to drink that with with most foods, and that's why I, I always have at least one or two bottles in. Whereas the other stuff is all is all things you drink once. So anyway, we're, we're finally nearly the end of our glasses. Swaps our beers. Um, so let's, so let's I've try got these. The, um, what even the, the, the Easter brewing with Wayne. Brewing with Wayne. I'm assuming that they brewed with a guy called Wayne. I hope so. Otherwise, it's really random. Yeah. Cheers. Chin chin. Sorry. Prost, as they say in Germany. Wow, that's sour. That's a bit sharper than I was expecting. Really? Okay, mm. that's interesting. So the my yeasty boys. I've had it before and everything, but <laughs> you keep. Were you drunk? Like when you had it? Like probably. Yeah, twelve pints of Carling beforehand. Like you know. Carling. <laughs> Star of <Barber>, mate. <laughs> Stonesies. Yeah. I had a great pint of Stonesies the other night. <laughs> I'm swap back. That is um. That's really nice. It is nice. I told you it's nice. The problem with sour to me is that I have them. And I don't think, I think certain people have, uh, their bodies are, are, allow sours. Whereas my, I have that and my mouth, like, afterwards, just walk, like, it's full of saliva. Well, like, it's like, rush to the defences, like. I, I always think sours are like, pressing control, delete on your keyboard, if you've got a PC. If you Mac and don't, yeah, if you, if you Mac and don't go back, like, if you Mac and don't go back like I am, it's like, force quit, right, it's, it, it refreshes your palate, whereas... Uh, you see, I, I disagree, because for me, this tastes... Um, the reasons to be fearful now doesn't taste as nice. Oh! I've ruined your beer! Yeah, you've ruined my beer. I was enjoying the, the, the underlying malt at the very bottom of the flavour that I can no longer taste because my mouth is watering from the sour. Now I'm pissed on your chips. You're literally like a seagull that's got a Nick sandwich. We've done all our deep chats now, we so have, we're back you, on record. Tell me about this beer that you've heard of. Northern Monk recently sent three of their lads, their brewery staff, um, on a journey. Where did they go? They went to Scotland. And specifically in Scotland, they went to um, a mountain called Ben Nevis, which happens to be the um, largest mountain in the United Kingdom. So they sent the lads up there with uh, a brew kettle, uh, lots of, uh, well, tubs, you know, with sealable lids um, to collect liquid. And they essentially uh, said, you know what, lads, take some malt and some hops with you, climb this mountain and make a beer. So Northern Bank have brewed the highest beer in the UK. The highest beer in the, the UK? The highest beer. As not in percent or ABV, it's only 11%. Um, but they climbed up Ben Nevis. What, in terms of altitude? In terms of altitude, yeah, yeah. So in, in altitude sense, they climbed up Ben Nevis on the way picking up bilberries and picking up water from the streams on Ben Nevis, then brewed a beer at the top with a gas burner and a brew kettle. Like, yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. 100 litres. Yeah, yeah, 100 litre brew kettle. So made that at the top, did a... At the top of Ben Nevis? At the yeah, top of Ben Nevis? At the top of Ben Nevis. Okay. So they, they did um, mash in a bag, 
uh, like a mash and a tea bag almost. Yeah, yeah. Took that out after sparging it, and then um, boiling the bag hops as well. Um, and then so they some, took they so, took with some poor soul's gonna have to bring up the gas canister, right? That's not the problem. The gas canister is the, the, the water. It's the issue. So they had oh, to bring. Shit! Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be really heavy. They had to carry up from this stream that they found probably about halfway up, a little bit further than halfway up. They found the stream and on the map and found it and, and they took water from there. And so they took about I think a hundred liters of water. So it's a hundred kilos. Put the back into it, Derek. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Derek. <laughs> so so the thing is like. They were already carrying 90 kilos of kit. This is like Bear grill stuff. So anyway, they got to the top of this mountain with 90, 90 kilos of kit and 100 litres of water that they carried halfway up. And the bilberries they've collected as well, right? So they brew the beer at the top of the mountain. They bring it back down. So they're bringing like 70-odd litres of liquid back down. Bring it back down. How did, hang on. How did they sanitise the... The things, the containers. That they're bringing it back down in. I don't know. So I, I saw this on a lad Bible, uh, quotation marks, a lad Bible video that sort of documented what they were doing. So I'd assume that they, so they collected the water and they boiled the water up. I'd assume they probably either use A, some dehydrated chemical to sanitise it, or B, hot, hot water that was left over from right. something. You know? okay. So they brew this beer at the top of the mountain, right? And they bring... 70 litres of lovely, lovely, unfermented liquid down, but they let it ferment in a, uh, a small fermenter and then they put it in a whiskey uh, cask for six months. I and or the monk or somewhere else? I don't know. I think it was in the local distillery near Ben Nevis. Right. Because that's what Lamp Bible's video led me to believe okay. from the footage and the, the commentary. However, I don't really know, so it could be anywhere. But they left it in the six months in the whisk house and then they bottled it. Now, Nicholas, they have bottled it in 330 milliliter bottles. Um, how much do you think they're reta- retailing? Retail? Retailing. To, 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 to the customer of that bottle for? Oh, gosh. Based on the fact they've only got so many litres down, so it's around 200 know, like 50 something. quid or 100, 100 quid max? Ever, or? Slightly, <laughs> ever slightly higher than that. Higher? Are we talking Bruce Foss? I higher or no? Higher? <laughs> like, Brucey bonus. Two hundred quid? Can't Mate, be more than two hundred quid. It's a grand. A cool one thousand pounds. A thousand pounds is the retail price. The retail price. So I saw online the first bottle to be to be to closed has been auctioned off at seven grand. No, seven grand? Yeah. That's nearly £2,000. That's <laughs> like... You're, you're not wrong. Oh, no, I'm not. That's close to 10000 I got an easy mouse. Incredible like, math skills there, mate. £7,000. It's I not... Mean, it's not to be sniffed at. No. That's is, like, is this going to charity or... What, right, so, here's the thing. So, all the proceeds of the profit is going to a charity that... Um, Helps uh, northern communities, so so I don't know what their class is. Northern, you know, does does Nottingham count or not? Big debate. Um, but anything above Nottingham certainly is northern, um, and that it's a charity that helps that. But here's my thing: like, why why did they do that? 
That's the question. Why, the, why, why would they do such a thing? Like, it's a great idea. It's great fun. Like, I'd love to homebrew at the top of the But why, as a commercial company, would they risk, literally, risk life and limb, in this case, to do that? What, is it why? a rhetorical question or actual question? Um, I mean, you can give it a go. I know the answer, I mean, so like, it is rhetorical. Like, it, I think it's a value thing, isn't it? Like, like it, it, if, you, if you're appealing to, like, the, the really quote-unquote hypercraft drinker, somebody that wants, uh, as we said earlier, a, a, a proper experience, yeah, yeah. then you're appealing to that person, particularly somebody that's got a lot of money, who will try something really bespoke. And I, I guess it's like the modern wine connoisseur, isn't it? I know we all used to put wine connoisseurs in like, oh, wanker. <laughs> but actually, in, in a lot of ways, the, the beer connoisseur isn't too dissimilar. I remember thinking, when I started brewing, I'll never, I'll never be one of those brewers who is all like, mm. ooh, I can, I can smell the Nelson Sauvignon in that, whereas now <laughs> I'm like, I can tell, you know. Um, no, I think it's a similar thing, isn't it? And I yeah. think it depends on what people put their value on. on I think on, it's ultimately it's down to how much is that thing worth to that person. And this is the thing, right? Like, if we go from beer to humans that drink beer, um, we then have to look at why humans drink that beer. And then you've got to look at why humans why. You know, you've got to ask why again and again. And ultimately, you get down to like the core of someone's being. And that sounds ridiculous, like when talking about a pint. Don't get me wrong. But why do you drink beer? Do you drink it for refreshment, like after work? Do you drink it as as a thing that um, as a, as a treat? Do you drink it as something that um, you have as a, on select occasions as a celebration? And, and beyond that, you've got another layer of, of thing. Like, what is your relationship with this alcoholic drink, this substance, you know, and, and the flavours and the, and the taste that are in it? So, for me, like, when we talk about beer, if you're a marketeer out there, you'll probably love this, because it's marketing, it's all about marketing. Whereas me and you, we don't think about why we're drinking what we're drinking. It just happens. So, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a culture thing and a sociology thing. Again, it comes down to people's values. Like, I, and I, I, that's we, what I mean. We, though, we, what we said yeah. earlier, didn't we? Like, ninety percent, ninety-five percent, even of people, generally speaking, yeah, just want to go out and have a good time, and, and the beer will be a nice accompaniment yeah, to, to that good time. To that good time. Yeah, totally. Whereas for me and you, you know, we're sat here looking at this beer list, analysing what I'm the styles are. Right now. Like, exactly. Can be like, what the styles what are, what we're going to have next. What, what's the experience we want to have? Oh, fireside Most people aren't like that. And I think it's, if you're into a, a I, whether, whether you're, it's a hobby or profession, mm. if you're into those things, then you're, you're really going to overthink that and think about what you're thinking yeah. about. If you're not, then who's the flying one? And I think the danger a lot of brewers fall into, myself and you included, is overthinking it rather than just... Go, go with the flow in some yeah. ways. No, absolutely. Um, I think that you, the, the, the danger with brews is they live in this 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 beery world that is focused on ultra flavour and ultra experience. Whereas in fact, that the common man, for want of a better word, a phrase, you know, just wants beer to enjoy and beer to to, to, to have as a, as a staple in in their life. You know, I can I, I can drink you know eleven percent imperial stouts all day. But if I'm honest, I can't have that with a meal. I can't have that, you know, every night of the week. 
you know, what I actually want is a 4% pale ale that is very, very, fairly inoffensive. And so I think there's a... Because of the shift in beer culture in the UK particularly, we're seeing people respond to that, I think, a little bit too hard. You know, breweries are creating stuff that's really sensationalist, you know, ultra, uh, ultra hoppy, ultra whatever the extra is in it, you know, adding sour, sour stuff to it, adding purees, you know. And I think that really there's, there's still a market out there for quality, a quality pint of pale ale. Me and you talk yeah, about really this is. all the time. There, there, there really, really is. And I think, I mean, I see it with some of my clients, um, how they're just brewing very straight up beers. Yeah, and, and but it works. They, you know, they do it well. And, yeah. and you know, the, the branding's good and the, the beer's good. And they, they sell a lot of it. Yeah. It's just like exactly. most people exactly. are drawn to the branding and then they will drink the beer and they're like, oh, that's nice. Whereas, you know, like, um, it, again, it's a very small minority. People like me and yeah. you will want those really interesting styles. And I think the difference is people like me and you will pay a premium yeah, amount exactly. for those styles. And ultimately, that's why Northern Monk have done what they've done. Because, in you know, think about it as like in, in this hyper car world. I yeah. don't know much about cars, but I know some. I watch Top Gear every now and again. <laughs> um, so for me, like... Northern Monk have to do something ridiculous like climb a mountain to brew a beer to differentiate themselves from other people so that's the point we got to a point in like the craft world where nothing is new yeah everything's been done before and it's all great and fantastic so you have to climb a mountain to brew a beer to look different and exciting you know and that that for me is a problem because we talk about beer fatigue like there's only so many imperial stouts I can drink when and I'll get to the point where they all taste the same, regardless of how well they're brewed. So like, I'm then gonna drink the one that's brewed up a mountain, aren't I? Because it's brewed up a mountain. Well, what, what, I guess the next ones are brewed on the moon, brewed in a hot air balloon. <laughs> brewed in a submarine. Brewed in a submarine. That'd, That'd be amazing, one. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah brewed in a submarine. Like, brewed in With a tunnel. With the Kabaki yeast. No, brewed I mean, where? Brewed where? in a tunnel. I mean, that's, in not, a tunnel. that's not, I mean, we brew inside, so it's almost like a human-made tunnel anyway, so. Can't count. Brewed, um, I don't know. Brewed at the top of the tallest building in the world. Brewed in the Houses of Parliament. Brewed up on the Brexit day. <laughs> Brewed on Brexit day. On the bombshells. Nick Law is going to brew a Brexit beer. Oh, here we go. On the bombshells. Our glasses are empty. Bye bye. Goodbye. Well, we'll catch up with you in the next part. Just a quick note before going into our interview with Peter from Torside. Now by this point, we're a few shandies in and I'm partially deaf in one ear as well. So imagine the combination of those things, having to deal with all the techie stuff whilst being partly intoxicated and partially deaf. Um, if at any point the, the audio quality is not great, then I can be forgiven for that because well you try recording a podcast when you had some luscious beers and you're half cut and you're partially deaf so little disclaimer aside uh, here's our interview with peter from Torside brewing all about smoke fest and about brewing smoke beers
great. So uh, we're here at Smokefest, joined by Peter, who's one of the brewers at Torside. Hello. In, uh, yes. Man- is, it, now, is it Manchester or Cheshire? Or? Uh, we're technically we're, we're about 200 yards into Derbyshire. Ooh. Um, we are just in Derbyshire. I wasn't so. expecting that. I wasn't. That's at all. Off the chart. I thought we were going to Greater Manchester or <laughs> like yeah, Cheshire. Yeah, we, we sneak into Manchester. So for any Manchester beer festival, we will we will claim to Manchester. Okay, I like that. Look yeah, yeah. That. So you, you kind of all can, things to all men. Well, I say we're near enough. We're near enough. The yeah, border yeah. to, to, to sort of Excellent. stop all where Excellent. So. Now I have to ask your, your brewery dog here. Oh, like, yes, it, whenever I try, sh- yep. whenever I try and stroke her, like she, she runs away from me. Is that normal? That is entirely standard for Cammy, I'm afraid. Right. She's, uh, okay. See, she wants fuss, but if you try and give her fuss, then she suddenly gets second thoughts. It's like so, she's a cat stuck in a dog's body. That many people have said that. She's got the fur of a cat. She's got the mindset of a cat. She, she, right. she, she likes the idea of being fussed far more than she likes the reality yeah. of being fussed. <laughs> there you go. That's funny. So, so, I mean, tell us about Smokefest. Like, I mean, what, why smoked beers? Well, the thing is, no one else was doing a smoke beer festival. Yep. So, and, and, and that was obviously a gap. I won't say in the market, it was just a gap. So, um, there was no demand yeah. either, but we, we figured... <laughs> <laughs> we figured if we do one, then maybe enough people will be interested. Nobody yeah. wanted it, but we'll do it anyway, just if in you, case someone will turn it, up. They will come. Exactly, yeah, no, and here we are, you know. Yeah, yeah. I can't see here we are. Here, but no, no, no. Did but, you uh, like? So did you? Did you? Did you all have a passion for smoked beers before, or was we it just all, something um, that you're aware of? Yeah, we're always into smoked beers. Um, one of the things we did when we started Torside was um, obviously we, we were three of us who start uh, uh, the brewers are all. Um, Ex-home brewers, right? Uh, and we'd all we'd all dabbled with smoked beers as home brewers because they're not commercially um, readily available. Yeah. Um, they're like Schlenkler, obviously do the classic yeah. German ones. That yeah. You, you can get in a lot of places, um, but there's a lot of smoke. There's not not a lot of smoked beer on the market, um, and there's not a lot of English brewers doing much with smoked beer. Partly that's because the drinkers don't know what they're getting. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, we'd all do it at home, and then part of the thing we'd taught us was we'd always carry on brewing the kind of things we like to do at home brewing. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you say there's, there's almost like some German international brands that have it in the UK that have imported. Yeah. Well, it, it survived really, as a style, it, it lasted really well in Germany. The, I think it's the, uh, the southern half of Germany, that forest kind of area as well. When, when the Reformation hit, yeah. the areas that basically stayed aggressively Catholic. Um, tended to keep to themselves and get on with what they did. So they kept all the old traditional ways, and Schlenkel is that kind of mindset yeah, where sure. they carried on brewing in the old way, malting in the old way, drying the malt in the yep. smokehouse. So they carried on with the smoky beers. It's, it's not as though they turned around and decided to make smoked beers sometime in the 1800s. They've, yeah. they've t- never they just stopped. turned up. They never stopped. Yeah, so, so really, <laughs> we've got the Catholics to thank for smoked beer in a way. Absolutely. You've got to bear like, the, the, um, the Puritans and the uh, The, the Puritans didn't want the beer. So. Well, we don't, we don't want it to taste nice. We should yeah. take the smoke out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. The industrialists found ways to obviously smoke, to, to do the malting without the smoke. And uh, that took off as a cleaner flavour. Yeah. Um, and that became much more popular because it was, it was very easy drinking, I suppose. But, okay, yeah. And who yeah. knows? I mean, it's hard to know what the beer was tasting like in the yeah. 17, 1800s. But, um, yeah, for sure. So, um, I mean, so what makes a good smoked beer? Because uh, I was saying to Paddy earlier, the <laughs> first smoked beer I had was this German beer called smoked beer. And it was bloody <laughs> awful. Like, whereas, the, you know, the beers that you brewed today that we're, we're trying to... They're really, cracking. You know, what, what makes a good smoked beer? What, um, what, does it, what do brewers need to do if they want to brew these time on a, a lot of it is balance. Um, obviously, there's when the German, the German, the Schlenkler beers, um, 
they're, they're all lagers because you know Germans know what they're doing. Um, they've all been properly aged and properly balanced. Uh, the Hells isn't the Hells doesn't even have smoked malt in it, but it's brewed in kit that's had smoked malt in it for decades, wow, okay. centuries. Yeah. So um, that's just picked up the, the smoky ambience. Um, the Urbach is properly smoked. The, the Martin they do is smoke. Um, a lot of it is just the balance. You've got to make it bitter enough, but bear in mind that smoke is quite a sweet flavour. Yeah. Um, uh, well. Most smoke is quite sweet, but yeah, yeah. some smokes are a bit more aggressive. Um, you've got to bear that in mind. You've got to bear in mind that the, the thing smoke does in, in beer is the stronger the beer is, the sweeter it tends to be. Okay. Sweetness masks smoke. Um, so the sweeter it gets, the less smoke you'll perceive when you're drinking it. Yeah. Um, and you get something similar with um, darker beers. So if you've got like a smoked stout, uh, we do we do a fire damage, which is uh, smoked stout. That's got a huge amount of smoke malt in it, but it doesn't taste really smoky. Yep. Because everyone expects the stout to taste a bit burnt. Yeah. Um, so they're not they're not surprised by it. If you do a pale beer with a lot of smoked beer in it, smoked smoke malt, then people are more taken aback, and you can pick it up more. So a really dry beer, the smoke comes through more. So. Um, also, of course, there's different types of smoke, and you've got to take that into account. So, sure. uh, beet smoke is uh, beet smoke malt is a standard German yep. malt. That's what you get in the Marsens and what you get in your average average smoke beer. If a, such a concept is beet smoke, um, and then you've got oak smoked beers, which tend to be wheat beers. Oak smoked wheat is a traditional German and Polish European thing, and peat smoke is obviously the more whiskey industry, Scottish kind of thing. Mm. Um, and that, that's that's very different because peat is a much more aggressive flavour. Um, so you, you've you've I, oh, it's fascinating listening to you. It really <laughs> is because like because smoked beer is something I've I've had very rarely if yeah. at all yeah. in like my normal beer drinking. And also you work with quite a lot of other people in collab yes, stuff yeah. with smoked beer. Yeah. Do yeah. you feel almost like a an educator <laughs> in the sense that you're turning up and saying look, look guys we're going to try it make a smoked beer. <laughs> it's different to what you're usually doing like. Do you, do you, does it feel it, a bit it, it, almost it's like that? Yeah, some stuff where, where obviously we've brewed quite a few, so we've, we've, we know what like amount of smoke malt you need in a beer to make it work as a smoke beer. Um, you can put 10-20% smoke malt in a beer and it's it's not very apparent in the finished beer. Yep. It might give you a bit of an edge, you, there's yeah. something to it, but there won't be a lot. Um, and then you can put light over, I mean the, the smoked stout, is, the one we do is like 65% smoke malt. Wow. Right. But, but normal drinkers drink it without batting an eyelid. It's, oh, it's got a nice edge of smoke to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas the Franconia, which is about 85% smoke malt, that's a proper German Martin. That is, that is very smoky. People will say, you know, it's like yeah. drinking ham or, you know. So it's almost like you tip it over that threshold and then suddenly, is, yeah, and in, a, in a way, depending on what you're doing how, it with. How yeah. light is a beer. There's, there's, yeah. there's, there's how much smoke comes through. But, and a lot of people, you know, there are people who drink a beer, smoke beer, and just go, I don't like it. It's, it's like drinking smoked cheese. It's like, well, that's that's, that's like not a problem. Like, <laughs> I'd love to drink smoked cheese. It's like, expectations. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, I mean, the room's pretty full. I assume yes, like you've yes, got a couple yes. of sessions yes. going on this this weekend. I mean, yep. do, do you feel with a festival like this that's got a definite niche to it? That um, you know, it's, it's a real success, um, particularly someone like like. You know, new mills. <laughs> Whereas it's, it's not like it's in the heart of Manchester. We are, like, we're not in the people. middle of the beer map. Yeah, right. so um, people can actually travel to get here and, yes, and get the yeah. rooms full of people. I'm like, quite happy with that. We, 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 we did the first one last year. Um, I think we, we decided to do about. When we, we, we decided to do it until the middle of September, I think. We said, yeah, let's do that. Um, that'll be a laugh. Um, and it was very much a kind of. We had six weeks till Bonfire Night. We thought Bonfire Night was a good time to do it. Um, 
and we thought, well, well let's, let's, let's just set it up, see how it goes. And we just did the Saturday. We got about 70 tickets, I think, sold, right. which, which was probably not far off what we'd expect for, for how um, disorganised it was from the outset. Um, and um, then the, the trains were striking and all sorts, so <laughs> we were quite surprised that people turned up, you know. Um, Come on, the canal. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it was quite fun, it was quite cosy and relaxed, and, and it went quite nicely. And it was more about just, we make a lot of smoke beers, we knew we had about 15 to 20 of them. Um, we knew we could get some Hells from Slenkler, we knew yeah. we could get some other guest beers from around the UK. Um, so we thought, we'll, 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 we'll just see how it goes and make it work. Yeah. Um, and this year we thought we'd, we'd push the boat out a bit and try doing the Saturday and the Sunday. Um, partly because we've got six or seven casks on. Cask doesn't keep, so yep. if we don't sell it today <laughs> and tomorrow... Let's get now. <laughs> well, well, at the start we thought, well, if we, if we run Sunday and we only get a dozen people turning up, it'll just be a very relaxed day where we'll just sit around and drink lots of beer. Yep. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Saturday sold out. We've got 100, and, about 100 people, maybe a few more. And Sunday we were... We were five tickets for, for a good month after. Wow. One Saturday filled up, people start coming on Sunday. But it's understandable, yeah. it's, it's not a bank holiday weekend. If, uh, yeah. Yeah, if yeah. I was working on Monday, I would probably think hard. But, um, yeah, yeah. but you know, at the moment, we've got like um, 70, I think, Sunday tickets wow. sold. Yeah. So That's great. So there's a few people coming, and, and it's just, it's just it's quite a nice atmosphere, it's quite relaxed. Yeah, it's, uh, no, for um, sure. No. And there's a, there's a good range of beers that you don't normally see mm. on, on the bars of most pubs. Most pubs won't sell smoked beer, except maybe one keg when Schlenkel has got a, a special on. So when, when you brew something like smoked beer, like mm-hmm. how are you finding that selling into free trade? It's a, well, the, the craft, craft places will take it. Yeah. Um, some of them cagely and some of them enthusiastically. <laughs> uh, That's have, interesting. We've got Franconia, which is this, like a 5.6% like a Marsden style it's a it's a vaguely English English version of a, of a, of a German Marsden um, pretty smoky pretty sort of German hammy Brunswick ham kind of thing yeah. um, in keg it goes quite well put them in Ebria, which is sort of a nationwide wholesaler yeah. sells it a keg at a time um, and, and it'll 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 go out fairly steadily, and, and people will like it. Beer festivals like to take it in cask as well because it's yeah. it, 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 it's a niche that they don't have anyone else doing. Different, isn't it? It's That's the thing. Yeah, it is. And, and they like to have a good range. Yeah. So, you know, we'll find that it will find that it does sell. We've got Stolat, which is probably the um, the least marketable, which is the 2.8% oak smoked wheat beer. Um, so it, it's weak. It's smoked. It's wheat. And, it, and it's wheat. <laughs> it, it, it's ticking every box on the most people wouldn't want to touch it. But the yeah. thing is that I had I had a pint, well, half of that earlier. Yeah. No, I had a pint. I had a pint of that earlier. <laughs> it was gorgeous. It's really easy drinking. It's, 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 it's this really beautiful pinkish, uh, well, I had the Elder Elder version, yeah, that yeah, was yep. pinkish. And that Elder Bay just added something to it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, a really it's a nice, nice brew. Yeah. And it's really yeah. balanced and it has a really nice smoke aftertaste. Yes. It's, 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 and it's, it's not overpowering at all. It's a, it's a Polish style. Yeah. And, uh, and um, they thought it's a 2.83% straight, pale, oats by wheat, high carb. Um, the smoke does a lot of the flavour carrying. There's a decent amount of hop in it for, for balancing it out. Um, it's, it's a wheat beer, you mash it high, you give it a nice lighter body. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's very easy drinking. It's, it's yeah. extremely sessionable because it's so weak yeah. um, compared Amazing. to you know, your normal beers. It's, it, and, and people, you know, kegs of that sort of sell sort of say steadily. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, we're, it, it goes quite nicely, but it's one of the things that no one... Well, there isn't a ready... I feel all the people doing Godskis. Um, Brass Castle do a Polish champagne which is Godski, um, other side of the Pennant. Um, 
So there are a few people doing them, but it's a very niche style. Do you think there's a market for smoked beers, or do you think there's more of a market for different beers, like beers that are not the same? <laughs> like, you know, just, just, oh, just on, on the bar, you have your, your five pumps. Yeah. One of them is like a, a wild card pump, you know? Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I think there's probably a bit of a mix. I mean, there are people who like smoked beer and will seek them out and, and hunt them down. There's a lot of people, I think, who will try anything once <laughs> uh, and just will try yeah. different things over yeah. and over and don't necessarily want to drink the same beer twice. Um, and I think um, some of the thing is, is the end, it's the, it's the, it's the middleman, it's the, it's the pubs that are selling it on to the drinkers. Yeah. And it's how they view what they're doing. Some of them have very strong opinions about what will and won't sell. Yep. And yeah. they'll, they'll want an experimental beer, but all they'll want is a beer with a different name. Yeah. They, they still have to be a 4% hobby pale. They just want a different one from all the other ones they've had. Yeah. So how, how do you find is a, I mean, what are you, like a 10 bar brewery? 10 bar, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, how do you find is a, a, I would imagine a lot of our listeners are around that kind of yep. area. Yep. A lot of microbreweries are. Like, how do you find is a 10 bar brewery selling beers in today's market where everyone wants something different all the time? <laughs> and then, but, but then, particularly... On the outskirts of Manchester, you've yes. Cloudwater, Track, yes, yeah, Manchester yeah, yeah. Uni Brewery, yeah. Wonder Beyond, all, you know, you've got these massive, like, <laughs> big hitters. <laughs> like, I mean, how do you how do you find running a brewery like Torso that makes these interesting beers, but then, like, say, you're in, you're in an old city like Manchester, it's like, what, what best beers you got, mate? <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's we, we're sort of, we're farming up out of the middle of Manchester that... We've got, so in one direction, we've got people who want to buy sensible beer. Yep. Um, and then if you go into the cities, you've obviously got people who want to buy more trendy beer. or And, and some of them, the craft outfit, want to have something different. So um, we've got a, a sort of fair mix of, of different customers. Um, we don't we don't tend to chase trends at all. Yep. Um, so we've, we've, we've done a couple of New Englandy type things, but we're not... We know we can't compete because there's so many of them. Mm, yeah. Um, and they're they're quite nuanced. Um, uh, you know, if you're brewing them, if you're brewing them at, at the kind of like clever, sophisticated cloud water level, yeah. you're using the right enzymes at the start and the right popping regime, and you're bubbling CO2 through to make a. And you need quite a high level kit to do that. Yeah. Um, so we, we can't do that. We we also don't can without the canning line. Um, we don't do contract canning. We we like bottles. They're reliable and they're. they're uh, good containers. Um, they're, they're heavier than cans, but they're, they're very recyclable. Right? Um, we've kind of we, we're not a, a, some beers work great in cans. The ones that you're going to turn over fast, yep. or that you need to chill fast at the fridge. But we don't do that many of those. We tend to most of the beers we brew will last perfectly well in a in a bottle for six months, nine months, a year. Um, Stouts don't. You know, they're stored better stored cold, yep. but they don't need to be. You know, they're not going to get drunk in four weeks. So cans are really good for that short turnover thing, we think. Um, I'm not a fan of Imperial Stout in a can, because I don't know what it's going to do in three years sitting in the fridge, in the cupboard. I just, I'm just not a massive fan of it. Mate, um, so Imperial Stouts, I always rate the 750ml. <laughs> 750ml bottle with a reclosable, that's an Imperial Stout there's for a, me. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of beers which you're going to age, and um, part of the ageing thing, and um, this is something you find in Belgium as well, I think. Um, Large bottles, the 750ml bottles are good for aging bottles. So if you get a, a Saison for aging or um, Chimay, yep. they've got the three or four colours. They've got like the three 30ml bottles you drink in a pub, and then they've got the 750ml bottles if you're going to age them with the cork closure. And yep. if, if you do age both of them, the cork closure one, the 750ml bottle, will age a lot more elegantly. Oh, 
it tastes different. Fascinating. After a couple of years, that's a yeah. very different flavour. Yeah. And it's like bulk aging versus small can. It yeah. does make a difference. It's about that the, the cork allows that very slight breathability. That, I think you know, so. I very think so. You know, tiny O2 pickup that's mm-hmm. going to, yeah. You get, you, get, you, get, you, get a, you get a slight different character from it. And, yeah. and it's just it's the aid. It's, it's the bulk it's the bulk aging rather than the small pack. This is the issue with the whole can advancement. You know, the whole uh, everyone's like mad for cans at the moment. Like people are totally you know, want to be on the just done the 250 mil can that I'm sure you're we have acutely seen those. aware we have seen of. Those. Yeah, we saw and like there, yeah. everyone's like getting on the can train, and like there is a, a market for that, you know, and there is a also there's a, there's, yeah. a, there's a quality aspect to it, but the drawbacks are that there are certain beers that don't suit it, that, that should be kept in different ways. But this is the thing. Yeah. I, mean, I think bottles are more luxury, so to speak. I mean, we're looking at that, whatever that beer is over there in that bottle. Like, I'm looking at it now. The, the, the Samurai Shiba, yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm that like, is gorgeous. That's the next beer we've got to have. Yeah. Like, it just looks great. It appeals mm-hmm. to the eye. Mm-hmm. Funny, cause there's a cheapness about a can where yeah, I, what don't, I don't think you can't get with a certain bottle shape. I think there's a, there's one of the problems with the can market as a to a normal purchaser rather than a craft beer. Well, someone who likes drinking their New England IPA who is into that side of the market who knows their craft beer types are. That kind of drinker is quite happy to pay eight quid for a 440 mil can of 8% New England dipper uh, from a supplier they know and trust so yeah. can it well. And th- there are people who will happily do that. But once you move away from that market, you very fast get toward to the people who are don't really understand the, the brand. They don't know yeah. what Cloudwater bringing to it that maybe another producer isn't, or, um, or you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have picked up a, a 440ml can of it anything in Tesco, off a warm shelf, and it, it's probably not quite at its best anymore, yeah. um, if I can put it like that. No, no, <laughs> to, no that's totally a thing. Yeah, like, they've gone home, they'll have opened it up, they'll have drunk it, they'll have gone, okay, but it was only four quid in Tesco. It would have been eight quid if they yeah. bought a high-end one. Yeah. It, it might have been better kept, might have tasted better, but they've, they've, they've paid, you know, three quid, four quid for it in Tesco, no, no, no. It's okay, but it's a. The thing about a can is it's really heat sensitive. So a can on the supermarket shelf at 20 degrees, well, the beer's at 20 degrees. If, if, if it's on a shelf somewhere in your house, they can be drunk. If the temperature in your house is going up from 10 to 20, then the beer's getting temperature changes all the time because that, that thin metal shelf is doing nothing. If it's not in the fridge, it's a really temperature sensitive thing. Big glass bottles, well, they. they and, and, and 750ml especially, the beer's being kept at a much more stable temperature. So. Whether it's at four degrees or ten degrees or fifteen degrees, at least you know it's not going up and down, which is yeah, you know, yeah. getting you some interesting chemical reactions. I remember hearing Matthew Curtis, who's the beer writer, saying yeah. um, when I did an interview with him on a previous podcast, it'll only take one brewery, like Hip Brewery, to put stuff in a seven hundred and fifty mil or whatever <laughs> type bottle. Yeah. You know, to, 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 to disrupt the industry and all of a sudden bottles will come back all of a sudden everyone will be like, oh, that's cool, I'm going to do that. Well, so, sooner or later someone's going to turn around and say, do you know what, you know cans, those beautiful recyclable and aluminium infinitely recyclable things, you know they've got a plastic lining, you know it's got BPA in it, you know BPA is technically safe, but at the same time, all those food products you're buying, all those plastic bags on the food aisle in supermarkets are now saying BPA free. Why are they saying BPA free if it's so safe? Why are people doing baby stuff that's BPA free? What's going on with this BPA stuff? Someone somewhere in the industry knows it's bad for you. Well, it's interesting. And if someone bothers to market that, then suddenly glass will come back because it doesn't have a lining. I remember seeing on a news Facebook post about <laughs> Coca-Cola cans. Someone had dissolved a Coca-Cola can, oh, closed. Yes. In yep. whatever it 
solution it was for 24 hours. Oh, yes, yeah, and yeah. then literally they pulled the top out with, with this lining in. That's right. And yes, I was like, yeah, yeah. what the hell is that? Yes, yeah, yeah. You need it. You need it to stop the metal reacting yeah, with yeah, the beard. Exactly. Beard acid. Um, but it, it's, it's a plastic lining. It is probably fine. It is probably doing no bad to anyone in the short term. What it's doing over two or three years to the beard? Who knows? Hard to do the signs. Wow, but you know, we, we know that. When um, I remember Beaver Town when they went to cans early, really early in the craft beer thing, they, they were all the first ones to really push cans. Lot of marketing about the you know, completely recyclable, much lighter, lower freight charge costs, much less CO2 footprint, all of that. You know, you like this is all very interesting, you know, and it's like let's just as long as you start at the point where you've got aluminium supplies and you don't go back to the ball type mines and the deforestation or that then it's absolutely great and aluminium is wow. lovely um yeah so steel can all that it's kind of it's, it's, it's forget the mining yeah. and after that it's great glass has a problem because obviously that comes from sand and silica and eventually we'll run out of sand as well and there is a shortage in some areas nothing's perfect but it's a, there's no ethical consumption under wow. capitalism of course it's, it's like death by two different versions isn't it again i love the <laughs> the, what I love about these conversations, though, like, is, is the passion with, with which people present their arguments. Like, yeah. like I think it's really important that, that we have that, and like, I, I really enjoy I, that. I think I would say that if we knew we could can beer really, really well and make it really good and it was going to be drunk fresh and we sort of felt we didn't have to worry too much about the what might or might not be going on the line yeah. or whatever, we'd be fine. But, you know, at the same time, worrying about tiny trace amounts of chemical getting into your beer. Well, it's like, well, it's beer, isn't it? It's, it's not really a health thing, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's the quote of the podcast there. <laughs> yeah. Not really. That's brilliant. It's not controversial at all, it's true. You can overanalyze yeah. things. You can worry a lot yeah, about little bits that are kind of not really the major thing and, and overlook the fact that what you're talking about is, is a luxury item. It's a commodity luxury in some ways. Yeah, it's a well. bit of a weird concept. But you can, you know, you're drinking beer, for, you're doing it to relax, to socialise, to have fun. And... and there's an element to which it could go, you know, yeah, maybe it's got stuff in that's bad for you, but also it's definitely got stuff in that's not good for you if you have a lot of it. So yeah. if you're drinking enough beer out of cans to get serious BPA health issues, you are probably drinking too much beer. So this is true. That is I'm not gonna... a suggestion you should switch to another <laughs> yeah, yeah. form of alcohol. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Stick with beer. Stick, stick with beer. Definitely yeah, stick please. with beer. Just, beer. Just, you know. Just maybe focus on the smoke stuff and, yeah. and less on the New England. And, <laughs> love, and, it. love it, love it. Yeah, we know bottles are inert, glass is inert. We like the fact that glass is inert. We like that that <laughs> because we fill, we do all the bottling by hand. We do it all ourselves. Um, and uh, we've got like, you know, uh, being a bottling machine, so we, we know we're doing all of the stuff. Um, and we know what, we know we know how it's managed. We know what oxygen ingress we're likely to get. Yep. Um, canning is always a risk. You've got a massive gap at the top of the can. Once oxygen gets in, it can ruin an entire canning run. You know, you can, you can have all sorts of problems with it. At least if you're bottling it yourself, you know, you know, tiny bottleneck, less oxygen getting in. So Plus, if you bottle conditioning, your yeast that are going to... It's going to eat some of the alcohol. So, so, we yeah, kind yeah. of... We kind of... We kind of we, one of the reasons we don't do New England IPAs is because with the setup we've got, with doing it into bottles, it's like we know that we can't make it taste the way people want it to. Yeah. You know, it's a new style. People are embracing it and running into it and saying, this is fantastic, we love this style. But those people know what they want it to be like. And, and you do need to make that a certain way, you need to package it a certain way. And, and I, think, I think a New England IPA that isn't in a can will taste very different from what the market wants. That's interesting. And also, I don't think bottle shops, bottle shops won't want to buy a bottled New England IPA because they won't really understand it. Which, I'm not going to say that, but then I, I buy a lot of beer in from like Europe to drink at home. Um, and I'll buy like Norwegian and 
Swedish beer and, and Polish beer, and, and you'll get New England IPAs in Boston them, and they're, they're, they're nice. They're, they're more to my taste than a lot of the canned ones. But that's, that's interesting. That's possibly because I'm not really a huge. I like my beers to be properly bitter. I like West Coast more yeah. than I like yeah. New England. Yeah. Um, and I like New England beers that have more bitterness to them. And, and it, it's that trade-off, isn't it, between the expectation and, and the reality of, of each product. And, mm. and you have mm. to. It's not just the, the way it's brewed. It's not just the the way it's packaged. It's also the way it's marketed as well. All three of those sort of play it, into massive, massive impact on the marketing. Yeah. If you can't. You can't. Yeah. If if you're if you decide to do IPA in four forty mil cans, but you can't market. Why is anyone going to pick yours up off the shelf in the shop exactly. rather than someone like Cloudwater who've got the um, reputation and yeah. the history of, and, and we're spearheading the style? You know, you yeah. go, well, I know what I'm doing with that. You know, so, um, if you're selling into the northeast and, and you're doing that and you're not Northern Monk, you're going to struggle because yeah. you're next to Northern Monk and people will, you know, people who like that brewery will go for that brewery over yours. Yeah. So if you can't market it, if you can't do something with it, yeah. you've got a problem and one of the reasons there's no point for what we yeah. do because we are not marketing people um, yeah. yeah that's kind of what I was going to say it's, not it's even come, slightly yeah um, and with all due respect that, that you said earlier that you all three of you were the home brewers originally yeah. and sort yeah. of just yeah. sort of graduated into a bigger kit essentially yeah um, do you think there's how have you how have you found that like compared to sort of brewing for yourselves and your mates to, to brewing for well, essentially the general populace <laughs> you know I suppose I'll, I'll, I'll one of the things that made us think let's start a brewery was that um, when you're home brewing you're doing like 20 litres at a time mm. um, and if you're doing that regularly you rapidly build up too much beer that you can't finish <laughs> the only legal way to sell it is to start a brewery yeah <laughs> so, so the logical thing to do was well if you start a brewery then what we don't think we can sell and it, it was originally that kind of well it'll be small it'll be fine we'll just make it work um, and we'll brew the beers that we would have home brewed and we'll just, we'll just go with that and see how it works um, uh, the reason we got a 10 barrel kit was talking to some of the people who so after we started in like 2015 end of 2015 we started brewing but like four or five years before that we've been chatting we've been going to like meet the brewers at Fourth Street and stuff in Manchester um, Manchester homebrew group under the beer moth shop um, and you'd talk to other brewers and one of the things that breweries would say to you was we start on a two barrel kit and then we spent the first year saving up to get a five barrel kit and then we spent the next year saving up to get yeah, a ten, ten barrel, barrel kit yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's all you can do you're, you're just trying to scale up because it works and I don't, so basically the biggest kit you can afford start with that yeah because you can always brew less and it's like okay we'll we'll take you up on that so uh, and we did that so we got a ten barrel kit we, we did some brews at like six barrels some we do eight off some we did ten off if you're doing a fairly straightforward bitter four percent pale anything like that ten barrels not a problem ship that um, if you're going to do something a bit more niche, then sometimes in the early days we're worth doing six barrels. Um, but I mean, we're, we're at the point where we know which beers people will want. We've got one or two we brew all the time. So uh, we got West, where's it, West Coast? We got I'm Spartacus. It's an IPA. It's six point eight percent. It's um, it, it, it's West Coast-ish, yep. but it's not aggressively bitter. Um, so it's kind of it's not New England, but it's not it's not very very. Um, it's not very sweet, it's not very bitter, um, but that sells, people like it, it goes well in bottle, keeps selling, so we brew that regularly now. Um, we don't really have a core range, but we have beers that we keep coming back to. Yeah. Um, and then if we want, we've got some proper West Coast stuff, which we do maybe once every nine months. So, um, yeah, they will sell, you know, because people are like, oh, proper West Coast, I don't know. <laughs> but um, sure. time, we, we're selling to people who have heard of us quite often, rather than trying to go out and market got a few wholesalers who we send stuff to 
every few months, but yeah. we're not we're not big at that. We kind of we're trying to stay sustainable and manageable and not expose ourselves to the point where we grow fast yeah. and we've got some debt. And then if the market switches on us or we suddenly go out of favour with the people, we've you, know, you get a contract. You're selling regularly to a wholesale, and they stop buying. You can you can suddenly find yourself on the back foot. Mm. Yeah. And we we just want to carry on making beer. And we don't want to have to stop making the beers we like in order to concentrate on filling a contract. So, so you're nearly at your, so you're very nearly at your five-year mark. I think yes, next year's next five year, years. Next year, uh, end of August will be five okay, years. Okay, great. Yeah. I really hope you're going to throw a big party for that because we'll, well certainly. Having yes, enjoyed, yeah, yeah. I've been here for a couple of hours. I've enjoyed. So I'll certainly be mm-hmm. there. So yeah, excellent, too. excellent. Um, yes, we'll. Uh, yeah, we, th- we normally because it's bank holiday weekend as well at the end of August. So right, we'll, we'll have a brewery tap and yeah. we'll, uh, we'll so do it with that. You were you five years ago. Uh-huh. What would you tell you? What was the what the warning or the advice be? Like what was it? <laughs> the warning. Yeah, yeah. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, you know, if, if if we're talking to people that are about to start a microbrewery or God um, forbid an actual brewery, um, <laughs> you know, what would you say? Um, I don't know because I mean it's it worked quite smoothly. It's 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 been. We started off. We had other jobs. We, I mean, two of us still have other jobs. Um, Chris is here full time. Nick's here one day a week. Uh, we've got a couple of other people here one day a week. Um, I'm doing the beer duty and accounting and stuff in weekends and evenings and stuff. Um, we're still brewing a weekend and a bit during the week. It's. I think I think just you have to bear in mind there's a lot to do. And if you're starting as a one-man band, um, you'll be doing an awful lot of things. You'll be doing a lot of paperwork as well as you know, brewing is. Brewing the beer isn't that much of the process. Sales and deliveries is a massive time sink. For sure. Um, You've got to be ready for that. You've got to be ready for the fact paperwork will take some time. Um, and all the cleaning. And the clean cleaning is. <laughs> yeah, they, they say that like ninety percent of brewing is, is paperwork and cleaning. Making things yeah. is cleaning. That's it. That's a lot of it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, But it's all it's all all of that is fine. But it's wasted if the beer isn't good. So you know the, the important bit is the ten percent in some ways. Anyone can do paperwork and cleaning, um, but you just have to make sure you've got enough time for it. Um, I don't know. I think what we've done worked quite nicely. Um, we might have got the racking shelves a bit sooner if we thought about it. That's <laughs> a, that took us forever to get around to. But um, but we kind of we've kind of added stuff that we needed slowly as we've gone through, and it's um, it's worked quite well for us. So mm. I, I don't think I don't think we're anywhere other than where we thought we'd be. Uh, so we could probably have priced things a bit higher at the start, but um, you know it's one of those things like it's just just judging the market. Yeah, sort of yeah. where you are, who you're selling to, how you're doing things. Yeah. Um, there's you know. I'd probably just give a list of bad debtors to us and say, <laughs> "Don't pick these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't sell to them. Or take some cash on delivery for these guys." Yeah. That, that would that would that you, would save a few grand. Do you think that because everything just works really, that's not the story for every brewery for sure? Do you think that yeah. that's you found a gap in the market um, and sort of exploited um, that, or do you think that? I think I think we had a, I think we made beer to a certain sort of a, it's not a style or standard, but. We make beer certain ways using stuff we learned at homebrew, and yeah. we scaled it up and found out what works for us. Um, so there's a kind of—I don't know if I say there's a torsade style, but there's, there's certain things you probably would expect you know, from a torsade yeah, beer, and wouldn't yeah. expect from a torsade beer, yeah. I suppose. The other thing, um, um, I don't know if we've—it's hard to think. Um, I, 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 no, I'm not sure. Um, That's okay. We've got a good look. Uh, we've got, uh, my wife does the art for the bottles, so all, yeah. all the bottles have um, 
have a fairly distinctive bit of artwork yeah. on them, so and uh, yeah. and sort of distinctive sort of slash sideways diagonal kind of thing. So we, we we settled on that. We need to look different on the shelves quite early on because we know we aren't marketing people. We know we aren't salespeople. So we have to have somewhere people will see our beer from a distance, and if they like our stuff, we'll go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So we always knew we'd do smoked beer. We always said we'll count, we'll we'll have smoked beer as a as a brewery thing. Yeah. We always knew Love we'd that. we'd keep doing it. We always knew we do the strong beer, the monsters. We do the um, yep. lots of like nine, ten, eleven, twelve. The monsters. Present the monsters oh, range. Oh, there's a wow. It, yeah. Love that. It's yeah. It's interesting with your with your branding. So I, I remember <laughs> when we walked up earlier. Um, yep. seeing the mill and stuff and then I've only really just caught on actually you know looking at your banner with the, oh, with yeah, the chimney, chimney and the hot yes. flower yeah. I was like yeah. oh of course it really makes it sense, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's really cool the, um, at the middle of uh, the middle of New Mills at a place called the Tours um, right. it's like yeah. a park so if you've uh, if you came from uh, New Mill Central yeah. station um, the bridge you come over yep um, is uh, looks down onto an old old mill yep um, that's the Tours Park um, yeah so there's a there's a chimney there which is basically the letter R yes. in our, our logo. Yeah, yeah and, we saw and, that. Uh, yeah. And there's a double bridge which is the the other road which goes to the and that that's the that's the letter B. Uh, so that's yeah. except my wife came up with oh, to, that's to, the B on the to incorporate yeah, yeah, it. It's a double yeah. bridge. So um, amazing. They kind of they kind of local yeah. things, but um, you know without. Uh, no, that I love that. I love the story behind logos and stuff. It's like <laughs> a lot of logos are just sort of corporate like stamps and like. To have something about yeah, your area yeah. and your your your, your environment, we wanted, your community. Uh, we wanted great. to stick with being being obviously home brewers, making the beers we used to make at home, just on a commercial scale. Which is, I mean, a lot of our early recipes and a lot of the ones that carried on are are based on homebrew yeah. things. So, I mean, I'm Spartacus. Yeah. It's uh, very similar to an IPA that Chris used to homebrew. Um, Fire damage is a smoked stout that I homebrewed. Candlewick's normal stout uh, from homebrew days. Um, so we've got we've got a few of the ones we brew over and over again are basically homebrew recipes that we've just refined, um, and we want to keep to that sort of mindset of we want to do as much as we can ourselves because it's it's kind of it's personal beer and it's personal style. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, my wife's done the you see the, the smoke fest logo on the glasses and the, yeah. the brewery logo for us. She does the the dogs for the Dogs of War Ballet series and basically all the art is is, is um, either details and pictures she's done anyway. Or she'll do some for especially with with hops on and stuff. Uh, so it's just nice to give you something which you know no one else can easily copy. Yeah, no, totally. And I think that's one thing. If you go to a graphic designer, their job is to make your product look like it's what it is. So people who know what that bit of the market looks like, and they'll make sure your beer is obviously fitting into that bit of the market. Um, that's their job. They've got to make it look distinctive, but they've also got to make it look like it fits expectations. Um, and when you're doing a load of smoke beer and imperial stuff and things, you, you don't need to worry about that. <laughs> there isn't there isn't particularly an yeah. obvious market for it. You kind of you kind of don't want to look you don't there. want to look like yeah. like the mainstream sensible. Um, everyone looks at it and goes, oh yeah, I know what that is. You want them to be looking at it and think, well, what is that? Yeah. And to pick it up and look at it and go, well, what is that? So we've got yeah, some of the beer styles we've got, especially on the monsters, are are just descriptions. Uh, we we, we, we have made up all sorts of styles. So. Um, yeah. um, I don't think there's many. I mean, Grodzki is obviously a Polish style, but it's not really common in the UK. Uh, smoked stout is yeah. something that you see people doing, but you know, there are. Um, I think we do a micro stout. I think that's a. You just come up with things that when people look at the bottle, they go, "What?" Yeah. Um, and then Absolutely. they'll stop and think about it. You know, it's like if it looks nice and it looks interesting. Once they pick the bottle up to look at it and go, "What is this?" Well, it's in the hand then. So. There's one thing I know about sales in retail is get them to take it off the shelf. Yeah. 
and then you've got a much better chance of selling it. Yeah. Um, if, if they don't need to take up the shelf to understand what it is, you, you, you've probably minimised your chances of buying it. But, yeah. um, so I don't, I don't say we're not salespeople, but I know enough. Yeah, <laughs> just about, uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, this is making me want to be part of Manchester Homebrew six, six <laughs> years ago. Yeah, yeah. If I was part of Manchester Homebrew six years ago, my drinking culture would be a lot it cheaper. Was, like. it, was, it was an excellent group. We had um, uh, those, uh, uh, Matt Dutton, who's uh, track now, right. was part of it. Uh, Steve Dunkley, who's been Uvo, middle of Manchester. Um, we've got... Um, Oh, there's, there's more. Um, yeah, yeah. Connor Murphy used to come along into Cloudwater these days. Uh, Al, one of their brewers, uh, Al Wolf. Wow. Manta Homebrew back then was a lot of people who ended up yeah, working, working at, in the industry. At industry it, places. Yeah. So it was, a, so cool. it was a good place to bounce ideas around. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel like this is essentially a bigger homebrew kit? Um, or would you say this is a bit more of a going concern? It, it's, it's more of a going concern nowadays because yeah. obviously we're, we're, you know, Chris, is, Chris is basically relying it to, to, on it to, to, to live. Yeah. So um, it, it's a bit more serious than just a, we can mess around, it doesn't matter if it sells. Yeah. But, but the, part of that is we've established enough sort of steady beers which we know we can brew 89 barrels of yeah. and, and shift. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and turn over and pay the bills. So that leaves us free to do silly stuff like run a smoke beer festival. Or, um, <laughs> That's what we're here! Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean the, the, the little by little you'll have, uh, you'll have seen on the, on the cask bar, 2.2% uh, micro stout, we call it. It's, it's like yeah. a black grodsky. Um, it, it is a black grodsky. It, 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 it's, it's an oak smoked dark beer. But We've done a load of kegs of it. We didn't cask it because we think you'd have to turn it over in probably two or three days. It's too weak to last well in cask. Yeah. So it's going to go off in two or three days yeah. very easily. So we thought, well, we'll put cask on where we can shift it. We wouldn't want to sell that to a pub because we think they'd struggle yeah. to shift 70 pints of that. Yeah. 2.2%. What? You know, most pubs don't have that market. Yeah. But keg, on the other hand, will key keg will last for a long time. So we're, we're kind of doing that approach. And... Um, um, and we were thought, well, we'll have those, and we know it'll last, so we can, yeah, we, we, we can afford to have that in stock. Yeah. Like still that, we can afford to do a brew and then keep the kegs in stock for six months if necessary, it's a almost, year if necessary. It's like an investment, isn't it? Yeah. Essentially, you know, any any packaged beer beyond even cask, it's like an yeah. investment. You're putting X amount of money into the the ether and, yes. and investing yeah. in, yeah. in in that that product you've made, and then the way you package it is essentially yeah. defines how long you're going to get that return because if you put it in yeah. cask you're hoping for a return within Pretty, the next yeah. couple of months yeah yeah uh, whereas if you're getting a return if you're putting it in keg or bottle you've got like a year maybe yeah. a year and a bit yeah it's a yeah. cash flow thing as yeah. from a business and, and start, I mean, we've, we've got some of the monsters where they're like 11 percent not massively hoppy um where we'll we've put like six seven years best before on them wow because we know we've 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 bottled like 100 litres of it in 330, but we know that the market for that is small. Yeah. So people will come and buy it direct, and some shops will buy it because it's interesting. And uh, we can take bottles of it to meet the brewery events and say, here's something you haven't tried, but you know, the, the, there isn't the market demand for an 11% oak smoke wheat wine. That's <laughs> what? There, there pe- isn't? People are not going to beer shops demanding that. Really? So, um, but uh, we, we've got, you know, we've got like another eight or nine cases of. of Perfect circle, and it's just waiting for people to buy. But but it, it's not going to go off because it's strong enough that it's not going to get infected. It's it's, yeah. it's going to last well. It's just yeah. going to wait out. It's going to mellow. The smoke will become more subtle. You know, alcohol burn's completely gone already. But it's kind of a sweet, rich sipping thing. It's, mm. it, it's still 
it's going to be good for, for years and years. There's no yeah. reason for it to go off. So we're not in a massive rush to try and market and shift it because we've got other beers which are paying the bills and therefore we can have this stuff yeah. in. So, and I think it's, it's having the, the balance of different beers to be able to do that. If, yeah. you, if you start to commit to brewing a lot of beer which you need to turn over fast all the time, if you're a cask brewery and you're just a cask brewery selling cask to a local market, you have to keep turning it over fast and you have to keep the interest and you're kind of you're, you're tied into a small niche I think and it's a we do a lot of cask but it's nice to have the other stuff on the side which yeah. which is partly because you know we're we've started slowly doing lots of odd things and we had people who we could who'd had the homebrew we did separately and were in shops you know and the nice thing about Banter Homebrew in Beer Moth's basement in Manchester which you could take a beer to the guys running the shop and see if it was any good and they would correct you if you were wrong about how good it was <laughs> um, and they would There's tell you in a nutshell I like and that, they would yeah. tell you if it was good so you know I mean that it you know, took him a, 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 a faulty IPA and they would say you're oxymuted it's a bit oxidized you take him a two percent pale beer that's been dry hopped to hell and back and it's really good and they would they would be amazed at how you've done it and it was that kind of that kind of feedback loop you'd get with someone who knows what they're doing with beer yeah was kind of invaluable as a homebrew group and um, it kind of sets you up because you, you're you getting useful feedback while you're homebrewing yeah. and that makes a makes a real difference to how it's you free, see things. It's free advice, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's free yeah, advice yeah, and it's yeah. from people who have to sell the stuff. Yeah, so. from people who actually know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, 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 that makes it interesting. So. Well, I mean, thanks for being on the podcast today. It's, it's been no great. Problem. And this festival is amazing. We're loving it. Thank you, yes. It's really lovely. <laughs> so we're going to get another beer. But uh, just for any of our listeners that maybe want to pay you guys a visit, mm-hmm. and uh, I highly recommend they do uh, when you're open, <laughs> like, how can they do that? Um, so during summer, because you'll, you'll notice it's quite cold today. Yeah. Here at the start of November. <laughs> My feet are like yeah. 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 Ice. Yeah. Um, it's a, so we, we opened sort of bank hold from Easter through to um, September. Um, last weekend of each month, we, we do brewery taps. Um, so the, the bank holiday weekends tend to be very busy because yep. people can come on Sunday and drink. Uh, other weekends are less busy, so they're excellent Sundays to come because it's <laughs> very, uh, more relaxed ambience. Um, and uh, that's, the, that's the times when we're open as a tap. Um, we've got the shop open to sell bottles to anyone who wants to visit during the week. Okay. They, we're normally brewing Sundays and Mondays. Um, we're normally in, someone will be in the brewery on Fridays. So if you're, if you're passing, if you're in the area, you want to come and just look around and chat, then uh, just drop us a line on Twitter or Facebook. Someone will come and meet up and show you around and Great. sell you beer if we can. So, yeah, so. Amazing. Well, thank you, Peter. <laughs> right. Time to go to the bar and uh, get Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. So yeah, that was that was great with Peter, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So so Peter from Torside, like what a guy, really nice bloke, and I I genuinely felt like I learned a lot. Yeah, I know. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's, so basically, like, those three lads, those three lads were homebrewing and, and homebrewing in Manchester with the Manchester Beer Group below Beermoth, and then sort of graduated to Big Boy League. I wonder if you get that as much now, because obviously a lot of those people that were homebrewing are now pro-brewers, and I wonder if there were as many as homebrewers out yeah. there, like when we started. But um, we're, we're, gonna, we're drinking this, this is Do- Dogs of War, it's a, a 10% Bayside barrel American barley wine, so cheers. The smell on this is incredible, genuinely. Like, you really don't like that, try that. Oh. I might even have that. <laughs> That's amazing. The mouthfeel as well. Do you remember that bottle share we went to at the uh, the railway? 
in Sheffield. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then um, the, these were all the beers we ended on. Do you remember? It was messy, wasn't it? I, mean, I, I seem to remember you being on some beer mechs that you found. You found. <laughs> Not true. That's slander. Yeah, that is, that's Lies that's and slander. That is so right. true. You were. Mum. If you're listening, it's all a lie. Mom, Don't Mom. listen. Don't listen, Mum. It's a lie. Don't tell me but I'm the thing about The thing about this beer is it is thick. Like the mouthfeel on that, it's like someone yesterday night described a beer to me as like drinking cream. That's what it's like. It's like so thick it feels like you're, you're almost drinking whole milk or like, or like double cream. It's that thick. It is. It's like it's kind of like engine oil. It's amazing. Train engine oil. It doesn't. It tastes better than engine oil. Can confirm. So this has been a great festival. Nah, totally. Yeah, really, I've loved it. I, I, you know, I think this has been my favourite beer festival this year. I've enjoyed it a lot. I think that for me, the, the, what I've enjoyed about it is that I go to quite a few beer festivals, and you have to. You meet lots of people, but the fact that this is ticketed and it's quite exclusive in a way means that everyone here is kind of like-minded. Yep. And the fact that it's unique, it's all about smoke beer, means that everyone's on board with that as an idea. And no one's like, oh, this is awful. Whereas when I've been to beer festivals that have the full ranging, like you've got some people who don't like certain styles and they've tried it and they've not enjoyed it. And, it doesn't sour it completely and change it completely. It just means that because everyone is going to enjoy the beer that is here, it means it's already going to be a more positive See, vibe. That's interesting because at the Sheffield um, Camera Beer Festival recently, I think I found that, I mean, it was great, but I was at the keg bar more than the cast bar. Yeah. Because they had more interesting beers of different styles there. Whereas at the Casper, it just all felt much of a muchness. You see, I disagree with that based on, you know, I had a cast from Steel City Brewing, which is a tiny nano brewery in Sheffield. Yeah, but they, and, and, and it's great, yeah, isn't it? It's, 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 very, it's very different. That's the thing. So I had a cast from that one, that was on cast, not keg. You know, I had that, and then I also had, a, you know, 4% blonde every now and again, you know? And I can't even remember those breweries, and that's not too important right now. And the thing is, that I think with cask beer, to find originality and to find difference, you have to dig a lot further yep. compared to like bottles and keg. Keg and bottle is this constant battle for the moment of like finding difference and finding a USP and something to vibe off, even if it's just different branding. Whereas cask beer is a very, in a sense, it isn't much of a muchness, but you, there is, if you find it, there is uniqueness there. Yeah. Cool, well, we're going to enjoy our beers now, stop recording. But I hope you've enjoyed this 50th episode of the Hot 4 podcast. It's been great to have you on again, Paddy. Too kind. Uh, episode 100, mate, we should, we should, we should go to America. Yeah. And Portland. 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 We should go on tour. <laughs> it's not <laughs> Portland, like, like, you know. You travel across America. It's it's somewhere in, like, Belgium or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, let's go to Bruges. Oh. Didn't they do a film in Bruges? In, good yeah. film, Matt. Yeah, it was a good film. What's his faces in it? That guy. Yeah, and who phone booth guy? And who do you watch it? I'm, you're selling it to me. I'm gonna go watch it. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Today's episode of the Hot Ford Podcast was brought to you by Eco Keg, the strongest, most versatile, and eco-friendly one-way keg on the market today. Eco kegs can be racked just like a cask or counter-pressure filled like any traditional steel keg. 
made in the UK using 70% recycled materials and fully recyclable to industrial recyclers, they can be 100% recycled by EcoKeg themselves into new kegs and they also offer free collection for empty EcoKegs. Used extensively across the brewing industry by cast brewers looking to enter the keg market without needing any expensive equipment, as well as macro and micro brewers distributing across the UK and throughout the rest of the world, particularly because they are available not only in Sankey valves, but Grundy, A and D types also. For more information, you can speak directly to Lewis on 01656 725 799 or email info at ecokeg.com or visit their website ecokeg.com Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Forward podcast this week. Don't forget we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers. Cheers. Bye.